a world under siege. The Separatists have launched a massive offensive against the planet Ryloth. A blockade of deadly battleships has cut off any support for the dwindling Republic defenses. Though they have fought valiantly with the help of Twi'lek freedom fighter Cham Syndulla, hope is fading for Jedi Master Dai and his men as the droid army closes in. hot on that one. Sorry, Bucketheads. Greetings, Mavard, Jigar. Welcome to the 105th Jar Jar Juggling for Justice episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent, yet awesome Star Wars podcast. Remember, that, of course, the best way to reach out to us via social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at mandovisiontomgmail.com. You know, put that at in there. Please be sure you're, please make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. If possible or so inclined, and you're into it. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Five star reviews are the best way to support shows like ours and make sure we don't get lost in the shuffle, and and we defeat the tyranny of the algorithm. How is everyone doing? Welcome back in. How was your weekend? I hope everyone had a great one. Hope you got a lot of things done, or, or maybe maybe I hope you didn't, and you just got to relax and kick back and watch Star Wars. Because why wouldn't you? If you have free time, why aren't you watching Star Wars? Watching some Clone Wars, maybe. Maybe you, you maybe you got ahead on this weekend, and you're you're caught up now. You're watching. You already watched the episode we're about to talk about. <laughs> well, that would be fun, wouldn't it? So yeah, that's what we're doing here. We're still. Uh, we're still at the beginnings of our, our Star Wars Season 3 of, uh, excuse me, we're still in the beginning of Season 3 of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and our, and our intensive rewatch of the series as we break it down and provide in-depth, hard-hitting analysis and commentary. Yeah, pro- man, maybe not that hard-hitting, but <laughs> hopefully some, some insights coming out of this. It's, it's, it's fun to go back and rewatch these. I've said it a thousand times. This episode in particular has a lot going on in it because it sets up not just one episode of the show, but two. And technically more than that because it actually sets up a whole trilogy of episodes. So so this is going to be a fun one to revisit as we, as we talk about some stuff. We catch back up with Jar Jar Binks and Bail Organa. This is sort of an episode that highlights some of the un, undersung heroes of the prequel era. And that's always a nice thing in my opinion because, uh, you know, luckily... I have lived long enough that I, I have seen the prequels go from being the villain to being the hero. And, and that is a really uh, nice 
the thing, a nice, a nice turn in the fandom. Uh, because for a long time, you know, if you're in my age bracket, you probably remember the the the, the prequels took a pretty big beating from from critics and even even from fans. And and to to be in a place now where the uh, sort of more uh, uh, um, <laughs> I don't I almost said militant I'm not sure that's the right word but the, it, it's it's borderline militant faction of the fandom that was just so against the prequels. Um, it's nice to see that 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 the younger generation has 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 embraced us and, and put them up on on a a pedestal in a, in a good way I think uh, because. The prequels again, they're 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 flawed, but so you know, I could I could point out to the original trilogy and, and and show some of the flaws in that as well. But we don't do that because we love Star Wars for what it is and not for what it isn't. And that's uh, that's something I'm trying very hard to remember in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> but again, I need time on that one. We'll get there. I know I will. You know, I'll, I'll soften my the hard edges I have about some of the choices that were made in that series. But again. Back to this one, I like that the, that, the, that the prequels have this this new life from a generation of fandom that is now, you know, twenty ish years old. Grew up with these the the you know episodes one, two, and three, and have embraced them in the way my generation embraced uh, four, five, and six. So it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's exciting. So we are here for season three, episode three, supply lines. The original air date on this was September twenty fourth, twenty ten. Our plot for the episode. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I gotta try and say this with us with a straight face. Jedi Master Ima Gundy and his men are trapped on the besieged world of Ryloth. Senator Bail Organa teams up with Repres Representative Jar Jar Binks to convince Neutral King Katunku of Todoria to send aid to the Twi'leks of Ryloth. I kind of stumbled through that one a little bit. I apologize, but I think I think you understood where I was coming at with this one. Uh, our director for this one. Once again, Brian O'Connell returns to direct another episode written by Stephen Melching and Ian Mahoney. Our cast is a another episode uh, just full of returning uh, top-tier voice acting talent. Phil Lamar as Bail Organa, Orn Frita, TX-20, D. Bradley Baker is the Clone Troopers, and Toydarian Minister Number 2. Brian George is King Katunku and Emil Twi'lek. Robin Atkin Downs is Master D. Shams uh, Dula, Toydarian Minister Number 1. Gideon Emery as Lot Dodd in the Toydarian Guard. Ahmad Best returns as Jar Jar Binks and the Defense Minister. James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan and Admiral Dow. I don't remember Obi-Wan in this episode. I think he's just Admiral Dow in this one. Uh, again, Terrence C.C. Carson gets credit as Mace wouldn't do. Oh, no, you know what? I take it back. Obi-Wan and Mace are at the very, very beginning. My apologies. Uh, Terrence T.C. Carson as Mace Windu and Justice Minister. Uh, Corey Burton as Count Dooku and Gobi Glee. Tom Kane is the narrator and Yoda... Matthew Wood as the Battle Droids. So yeah, there's our cast. And let's go ahead. We'll, we'll just get our Jedi Fortune cookie out of the way right here. Where there's a will, there's a way. I had never heard that before. So I'm really... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a, a, a fairly obvious one. But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, not all these have to be deep and impactful and, and hard-hitting. But uh, very on the nose with this episode. With, with that Jedi Fortune cookie. Uh, and again, th this one is an episode that connects a lot of... Uh, Things that we've already seen, we're, we're, we connect some dots back to the back to the first season of Star Wars: The Clone Wars in this episode. Not only is this episode a direct prequel to the Ryloth trilogy, that's uh, towards the tail end of season one of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, it actually sets up the events that we will see in the very first episode of Star Wars: The Clone Wars in season one, the ambush episode, the episode that focuses on Master Yoda and his uh, 
is under siege team of clone troopers uh, as Asaz Ventress and the, and the droid army closes in on them to prevent a meeting with King Katunku from Toydaria as, as Yoda attempts to negotiate for a, a, a supply base on Toydaria. So we're kind of catching up with some familiar stuff that, that we go all the way back to Season 1 for. And it, my, if memory serves, uh, I didn't remember any of that <laughs> when these episodes first aired. And I was like... I was like, I feel this. This is, feels familiar, but I didn't have like the wherewithal to uh, connect the dots all the way back to season one. Uh, but now, obviously, as we do this rewatch, it's like, oh yeah, duh, it's right there on Front Street, and I just missed it the first time around. But here we go. Here we are, and we're gonna get into it right now. Let's go ahead before we get into any more of our analysis, any more of our commentary. Let's talk about. Well, <laughs> we can't talk about it. There's something to do first. Good, good grief, Tom. You have to get your head on straight. You have to get your bucket on straight. And that's what it's time for. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Master General, we're running out of food and water, and our heavy weapon systems are out of power. I'll contact our forces in orbit. Admiral down. This is General Ty. You're in trouble down here. We need those supplies immediately. So there we hear the voice of Jedi Master I'm Gun D. Or. I'm gonna die, because uh, that's what he do in this episode. Spoilers on that. Um, one of the rare times that Star Wars is just so on the nose with the name of a character, and a character that, so, that sort of has like an interesting... Uh, uh, I, I like the look of him. I mean, we've never really seen a Nikto Jedi before, at least not in my recollection. Maybe maybe in some of the old Expanded Universe comic books or something like that, we've come across some Nikto Jedi. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, I think we have... But still, in the, in, the, in the context of Star Wars The Clone Wars, this is a nice nice uh, bit of a of, of breath of fresh air as far as our, our alien species uh, to be Jedi Knights. Uh, of course, the, the Nikto from Kintan. I'm Jedi Master Ima Gundi. Uh, he was an originally part of the Helios clan in some supplemental materials that came out after these episodes. Uh, I think there's even... Uh, I think it's the book by Kevin Scott that, that sort of shows this stuff, the one about uh, Dooku. Uh, that meets we meet Helios clan, which is led by Master Terrace Anube, who we have met in previous episodes of this show as well, and who's also given an extensive backstory with the help of writers like Kevin Scott. So uh, a, a character who posthumously got a great backstory behind him has a connection to Qui-Gon Jinn and some other Jedis that we've met through this show. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we meet a character who, uh, again, if we make the connections that this episode is in fact a prequel, to the Ryloth Trilogy episodes, we sort of know his fate going in. And I feel like that's why they don't really care that his name is I'm Gundy. And when you look at that, look, when you see it written down on a piece of paper, you're like, mm, okay, I know what fate awaits this particular Jedi Master. But the episode does so much more to, to service that, that storyline from Season 1 on Ryloth. When we meet Sham Syndulla, and we start to, you know, and we're like, why does he not trust the Republic? What has what has happened? Um... In, in the in the in the lead up to this occupation by the separatist forces that that caused him to uh, have this mistrust and you know I, th I think at the time we just kind of write it off as like well they let they let the Ryloths down they let this invasion happen no it's a little bit more complicated than that that's what we see in this episode you know the Republic forces tried to to save Ryloth to protect Ryloth um, but the the separatists were bound and determined to occupy the planet and to uh, subjugate these people. And, and we see that the, a valiant effort was made by Master D and his clone forces uh, before that was allowed to happen. And, and he does his best to help the people 
despite the fact that it seems like the battle may be lost, but he's gonna, uh, Master D is going to try and help these people as best he can by calling for relief efforts, getting uh, food and medical supplies through this blockade that the Separatists have enacted in, the, in their initial uh, wave of occup occupation on the planet. And and yeah, it is it is sort of interesting. It's it's one of the rare times thus far in the series where we've seen sort of like the battle is lost, but we must protect the people at all costs, knowing uh, that the end is probably nigh for for our uh, republic forces, for our Jedi masters and and clone troopers. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a solid enough episode. Um, I, th I think I was read some of the reviews on it, and I, you know people just thought it, thought it was kind of ho hum. And I I would generally think I, I generally tend to believe. That that is because of the politics involved in the episode, and the Jar Jar Binksness of the episode, and so maybe, I think some people are still kind of scorned about Jar Jar, and uh, that that we've talked about it in other episodes that Jar Jar shows up in. Uh, I th I think an episode I think uh, episodes as far as their ratings go, uh, they lose almost like a full point basically because of the Jar Jarness of of episodes, and I, I actually really like Jar Jar in this episode. He's been fine in the previous ones. Uh, but I really like him in this. I think he does a really nice job, and it's great to have Ahmad Best come back and resume the role. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the, the episode opens with a fierce battle against the Separatists as they attempt to occupy the planet. And again, we meet Jem Syndulla as he's leading the Resistance. A call is made to the Jedi Council, headed uh, up by Mace Windu and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they then contact Bail Organa, who is in Detentive 4, doing uh, all kinds of diplomatic negotiations, because that's what politicians do, at least in Star Wars. Uh, they ask him to go to Toydaria and to make contact, uh, excuse me, to make a deal, to, to, uh, to negotiate a, a, a treaty so that they can use Toydaria as a launching point for relief efforts to Ryloth. Let's go ahead and check in with Count Dooku, as the Separatist forces have overheard this conversation as well. Sir... We intercepted a coded transmission between Senator Organa and the Jedi Council. We were able to partially unscramble it. The Jedi have sent Senator Organa to Toydaria to negotiate a treaty which would allow them to send relief supplies to their forces on Ryloth. Send a message to Senator Lot Dodd of the Trade Federation. I wish to speak with him immediately. As we mentioned, we meet up with Bail Organa while he's on the Tantive Four. Another nice callback to well, things we've known from the original trilogy, uh, and and again we we catch up with the Tantive Four in Episode Three, so it all makes sense that Organ is on this ship. So it just, but it's just nice to see it, you know, seeing that 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 uh, blockade runner as we know it. It's so in, indelibly uh, in, etched in our memories. So it's it's it is fun to see that ship, and uh, I don't know, I've I've always been a real fan of it, of that ship and its design, and I thought they put it to really good use. Uh, in in Rogue One, I really liked the way they deployed it. How it was like within the ship, and they launched. I, I really liked that whole sequence. I think everyone on this who listens to this podcast knows how much I adore Rogue One as a movie. So, yeah, not no no shock there, no surprise there. But it, and again, a nice little touch, as they as, as they do so often on Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, and mem if memory serves as well with this episode, uh, this is our first canonical visit to Toydaria. Uh, a, the planet of, of uh, the junk dealer Watto that we got to know so well, in, in, excuse me, in A Phantom Menace. Excuse me, The Phantom Menace. <clears throat> Woo! A little verklempt right there. My goodness. Uh, yeah, so we're getting to see the world for the first time. Not We don't see a ton of it. We see sort of like the Imperial Palace area, but it's, we see it's a very a verdant green planet. A lot going on there. And uh, as we learned through the episode, 
Um, the Toydarians, and we'll talk more about this a little bit later, but the Toydarians on the world, on, on the home planet, very different than, than Watto. Um, and again, we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we sort of get further into the episode. But that's sort of hinted at when we first meet, meet, uh, meet, meet King Katunku uh, back in ambush. But to see so many other Toydarians who are basically the polar opposite of Watto uh, is, is very, very interesting. So again, we'll talk more about that as, as we work our way there. Uh, Organa meets up with, B- with Jar Jar Binks, Representative Binks, and they're going to go meet K- King Katunku, uh, who re- reiterates that, that Toydaria is a neutral system and that they don't want to get involved in conflict. They want to help the Ryloth. They want to help the Twi'leks. But it's complicated because they do not want to be seen to be showing favored favors to uh, the Republic over the Separatists because they have trade uh, agreements with the Trade Federation and, and things like that. So they have to stay neutral to get the whatever deals they have worked out with the Trade Federation. So whatever is being imported to Toydaria or being exported from Toydaria continues to move along uh, to support their economy is, is my assumption that I make there. Uh, but obviously, and again, as as we get into this more and more with the Toydarians, we, we see that they are a noble species, a compassionate species, uh, and this is very much not the impression we have of them from Watto. So, you know, sort of like this, it, it's, it, I feel like they sort of, I don't, I don't want to say they went out of their way, but I like that Watto is sort of the outlier of what a Toydarian actually uh, is at, 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 their, at their core, that they are sort of this noble, compassionate species. And Watto is just like, that's why he's probably not in the homeworld. He's like, hey, you know what, i got to get out of here because i, I got to make some, some moolah and uh, go, go, go play some dice games with some huts. And, and uh, I really like that part of it. And, and it's, um, again, just a really nice touch to have the Toydarians kind of be like this high moral ground uh, species. I, I did really, really dig that. Of course, Lot Dodd of the Trade Federation shows up to interfere with all this. Uh, like, hey, 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 you can't help them. They're actually supporting the Republic military on this. This isn't about running supplies. This is about, you know, military. This isn't about providing aid. It's about supporting their military efforts. Um, so there's a whole political back and forth here. Again, politics suck. We all know that. I think we all are on Team Obi-Wan with that, st- with, with our thoughts on politics and politicians. Uh, you know, they're, they're only as good as far as you can throw them. <laughs> Though maybe Obi-Wan can check a politician pretty far. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. He's got the force on his side, after all. <laughs> we go back to Ryloth for, for more of the battles. We find out the Republic forces and the Twi'leks are pinned down. Uh, they're, they're in a very vulnerable position, being able to be attacked on two fronts. They're trapped in like this valley. And it's going to be up to Master D to come up with a plan to, to get the, the Twi'leks out of there. And, and I think it's at this point that, that he's beginning to realize that it's all about saving the people at this point. The, the battle may be lost for him and the Republic, uh, but the people have to get out. They, ha- they have to give them a chance to, to rally and, and to fight for their homeworld another day. That sort of seems to be the feel I get from, from D, that he knows the end is nigh for him. I mean, it is in his name after all. But again, <laughs> just kind of fun. Uh, I want to talk about real quickly. I have to mention this, and I know we've seen Lot Dodd before, and I don't, I can't remember if in prior episodes if his headgear is a little bit different. Uh, but in this episode in particular, and again, maybe it was in the other episodes, but it jumped out at me uh, more so in this one than in others. His hat is bananas. 
Like that, that thing is like I don't even know how that thing stays on his head. It's huge. It's like a Pope hat times twelve. It's just it is an impressive piece of of headwear engineering. Uh, and and uh, oof, I I don't know how the thing stays aloft. I do not know. I, I mean, he he might have a droid in there, like a secret droid with guns, in case he ever comes under fire. That's the only thing. That, like, it, it almost looks like he's hiding something in that hat. He's got to be smuggling something onto Toy Dario with, with the hat that size. It's comically big, in my opinion. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go back and try to find some other episodes with La Dodd in them and and see if he has the hat. I suspect he does. Uh, because you know they keep these character models fairly consistent, um, in, unless it's time to put like a noticeable change into them. So I have to go back and have to see if this hat is in other episodes because it is bananas. And I just had to mention that. <laughs> back on Ryloth, Master D comes up with a plan uh, for the Twi'leks to escape. It involves taking the the Lone Republic transport slash gunship uh, and turning it into a bomb. And blowing up one of the canyon access points so that it forces the separatist for, uh, the separatist forces it forces the separatist force that is not a good sentence uh, but it it, it, uh, it 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 compels the separatist forces to go through the only way into that valley and it'll buy the Ryloth people the Twi'leks time to make their escape to run for it while the clones and Master D hold off the separatist forces uh, it's it's a it's a bold plan but again this is like them knowing their end game. Uh, and knowing that the, the the sacrifice that has to be made to save these people, I don't think they, I think Master D thinks they can pull it off, but at the same time, I think he's also well aware that uh, his end is is possibly in front of his face. I think he's hopeful, but he's also realistic at the same time. Uh, we also go we go we go back to, uh, we go back to Toydaria, and uh, King Tatunku denies aid to Ryloth because neutral neutrality must be preserved. It keeps his people out of the war. It keeps them from being drawn into the conflict, potentially coming under separatist attack, having to rely on Republic forces. Uh, but Katunku is, is again, this is a more noble Toydarian than what we have seen in in, in, in Watu. So as Binks and Organa are, are making their way out and uh, feeling like they may have lost the day and trying to figure out what to do next, the king approaches them privately and, and says, we will... You know, you brought supplies. We will help you get those supplies to the people. And it's it's not all that Organa wanted, but it's a start. So they have to make this happen now, but they have to figure out a way to distract Lot Dodd so that they can pull this off uh, without appearing to break the neutrality. Because that is that is King Katunku's primary stipulation, is that the supplies cannot be traced back to the Toydarians. It cannot be traced back to Toydaria as the launch point for these things. So... It's a, it's a it's a tight rope they have to walk to pull to pull this off, um, but they're gonna do it at a a um, dinner a, din- a dignitary dinner kind of event. Uh, the, all the all the fancy Toydarians, uh, Lot Dodd and his aide, and uh, it's supposed to be supposedly Organa and Binks. Though Organa excuses himself really quickly, and Jar Jar Binks will become the primary distraction that uh, that will be needed to make sure that Lot Dodd doesn't notice all the Republic cruisers that are. Uh, not cruisers, the blockade runners that are taking off from Toydaria, full of supplies for Ryloth. Uh, and it comes about with Jar Jar. Um, do I want to talk about that right now? No, I want to come back to another, another another sequence. Let's go ahead and play a clip. Hang on. All right, let's set the scene up a little, provide a little context. We're back on Ryloth. The bomb is ready. Uh, just before this, though, this is when we, we, we sort of get to see the beginning of Sham Sandula's 
uh, distrust of the Republic forming and, and why he's not enthused when they show up during the Ryloth trilogy in season one, why he doubts their sincerity and their efforts because he feels abandoned by them at this point. Relief supplies have not come. Relief forces, backup forces uh, to, pre to prevent this occupation have not arrived. And he feels extremely betrayed by this. So we, we begin to foreshadow that with this with this sequence. But now we're going to cut to the bomb working as Master D makes his plans to uh, aid the people in their escape from the battle. Let's go ahead and check it out. This is I, I found this clip amusing. There is a gunship blocking our way. OM-5, OM-7, go check it out. Roger, roger. Careful, it might be full of clones. Uh, no clones, just explosives. Explosives! Gotcha. All right, there you go. The bomb works. They're going to collapse the entryway into into that, that uh, canyon system. Uh, and then we go back to Todaria. We see the clones offloading the supplies uh, and loading up the blockade runners. And this is when Jar Jar has to provide his distraction. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a very appropriate Jar Jar level distraction. And, and what I mean by that is, again, people view Jar Jar as a clown, as a, as a silly, silly character. Uh, but what he does here is, in in sort of a clownish way, he kind of like leans into that 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 sort of uh, characterization of him, that that belittling characterization of him, and uh, he performs a juggling act, and a fairly masterful one too, in an effort to distract Lot Dodd from from witnessing the the blockade runners taking off from Toydaria full of supplies. Um, and I really liked it. I think it was fun. I don't know, you know, I don't know. Again, if you just have a beef against Jar Jar, you're not going to like it. And that's just all there is to it. But it shows that Jar Jar has some skills, and, and Jar Jar can do some things. He's not just this buffoon who who just roams around causing uh, chaos and, and, and anarchy wherever he goes. Uh, he's actually capable of, of doing uh, interesting things, not just enabling Supreme Chancellor Palpatine to have, you know, unlimited powers of, of the Senate. No, no, no. It's it's far more than that. Jar Jar is far more than that. I was not really happy with uh, the, the the sort of I, I'll just say the sort of like disgraceful way that Jar Jar was treated in Chuck Wendig's uh, aftermath trilogy. Uh, it was just like one one little chapter about a sad broken uh, uh, Gungan. Uh, it really kind of bummed me out, and uh, I think the character deserves better than that. But it just seemed like Wendig was leaning, leaning into the sort of anti Jar Jar sentiments that's so high. Uh, even to this day, it's just a real bummer. So I like this scene. I think it uh, he juggles like a boss in this, and it, it works, distracts. And then we get Master D's final charge, and it's pretty awesome. Let's go ahead and queue up his his moments as the overwhelming Separatist forces move in against him. And just at the end, as things appear to be the most grim, some some news is delivered to let him know that his sacrifice is not in vain. Captain Keely! I'm not finished yet, sir. We can do this, General! Well, let's make the end memorable! Oh. 
Republic blockade runner 0909er. We have broken through. The toilets will need to fight another day. The supplies have arrived at the drop point. But Master D does not live to see that moment. But the toilets do, and they get their supplies, their medical relief. And it's an exciting day, day to know that there that his sacrifice is worth it. The people will move on. They will continue to resist the occupation. Uh, and that's all he's trying to do is buy them another day, another battle for down the road. And by that extension, he's very successful. What We go back to Toydaria, and we get some big, exciting stuff. Uh, Laddad knows he's been conned, but it is too little too late as far as that goes. Uh, but he likes. He wants to let Bail Organa know that he knows something is afoot here, and we're gonna go ahead and play that clip too. Check it out. You play a dangerous game, Organa. Next time, you will not get away with this. The Republic has heart, my friend, but I am not convinced it has the strength to prevail. However, after what I witnessed here today. Perhaps it is time I reconsidered our neutrality. Tell the Jedi I am open to meeting with them. Master Yoda will be glad to hear it. For now, at least, the people of Ryloth shall endure. Boom. There you go. There you have it. That's the end of the episode. And again, we're setting the stage up. You know, this episode acted as, as a prequel to that Ryloth trilogy in Season 1. And now we set up the events that we are depicted in... In the very first episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, in the ambush episode, where Master Yoda goes to meet with King Katunku and uh, begin to negotiate for a, a, a forward base to, to launch operations from it and su relief supplies, it sounds like. Good stuff. I, I like how it all ties together. And again, this is part of that, that sliding, non linear storytelling that they've been doing so well in, in this series. Uh, you know, we jump back and forth in the, in the timeline in, in the war. But we very often connect back with things that are familiar and that we've been to before. Uh, so it, it's sort of interesting. It's a very interesting way to tell the stories. Uh, you know, you get this big chunk. Like, like I said, you get that Ryloth trilogy, and you think you know the story. But no, no, no. Look, there's a little bit more to it at the beginning. And again, it sets the stage for something else, too, that doves, dovetails back into the very first episode of the show. So I really dig this episode. I think it's rock-solid entertaining. Seven and a half. The politics don't bother me. Again, that's that's part of this era of Star Wars is the politician aspect of it. That's that's and that, that sets the stage for Princess Leia too, who was a senator before she was a rebel general. So really cool stuff, a lot of fun here, and I hope you all had as much fun with this episode as I did. So that's it. That's this week's episode. We're we're here on Monday. We're kicking off the week. We're gonna be back on Friday. Maybe something cool happens in between and we come back early. Who knows? Who knows? You know, Disney Day. Uh, or is a Disney Plus day is just around the corner. I actually think that's next Friday. So there may be even a bonus show on Friday. Stay tuned for two episodes next Friday. You'll have one in the morning when you wake up. It'll be right there in your feed. And depending on what announcements happen on uh, Disney Plus day, there might be something else to come back to in the afternoon. So maybe two shows on Friday. We'll see how it all goes. Uh, in the meantime, I hope everyone has a great week. If you're working right now, if, if you have work all week long, I hope it goes smooth and easy. And uh, we'll be here to... I'll kick off your weekend for you on Friday. Uh, that's it. Take care of each other. Remember, uh, the best way to follow us is on social media, at Mando underscore Vision. Instagram, Twitter, the whole shebang. 
long form emails can be sent to mandovisiontom at gmail.com. And make sure, please, do me a favor, like, subscribe, share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert, even as I am forced to relocate my covert to a different part of town. More about that later. <laughs> we'll talk more about that as I get more and more stressed out about it. In the meantime, we're going to get out of here. i got to pack some boxes. You know this podcast only ends one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession.